Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sirtos podcast. We are back today with another very special guest. Uh, this time around, our guest is not only talking about how he got involved in dance, but also about his own personal research that he uses in his teaching. So without further ado, I will welcome Bobby to the show. Oh, Bobby, welcome. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Bobby Garofalis. Um, I'm from Newport News, Virginia. Um, I've been, I guess, dancing, gosh, four years, what, 34, 35 years at least, <laughs> not to date myself. Um, I'm very excited to be here with uh, you, Maria, and Evan, and I'm looking forward to having a great conversation on what connects us all, which is dance and Sirto. So. <laughs> Absolutely. We all dance as Sirto. Exactly. <laughs> So welcome, Bobby. Um, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, and I'd like to just jump right into it because I know there's a lot we want to talk about. Um, but the first thing we really want to know and what excites us about everybody is we all have this passion for dance, but where did it come from? How did you cultivate it? How did it grow inside you? Were you, um, I'm always curious, you know, did you come out of the womb dancing or <laughs> um, was there a moment that was like, oh, this is dance? Like, what was the epiphany? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess my first real exposure was just like many of us at, you know, just the church in Newport News, whether it was like a function or, you know, we didn't really have a dance dance group per se. When I was younger, they would just kind of throw us together at like a Greek school function or Independence mm -hmm. Day. Um, I think what really started to get my interest, though, was... um. You know, because I started learning through the church, kind of the, at that time, pan-Hellenic genre dances. But um, I remember going to Crete um, in 1985. I was uh, nine years old at the time. And, you know, when we went a few times as kids, we would stay for three months. I mean, it was like we were living there. And then my mom took me to um, a Cretan dance school in Khanya, and we would go like two, three times a week. And I guess that's where I started really, you know, being exposed to Cretan dancing and you know, from there, it just, you know, started really piquing my interest and, you know, becoming, you know, a bit of an obsession over time as it grew. And um, our dance group in Newport News officially formed, I guess, Anna must have told you, um, around 1990. Mm -hmm. so they organized this as a performing group. And I think there were like 15 of us. Like we were, again, a small community. And, you know, we were the kids that were regularly there. And, you know, that's how they organized us. And it just kind of spiraled out of control from there, basically. <laughs> I love that. That's so, so cool that your mom took you to a school, a dance school when you yeah, were there. You know, we were learning figuras. Like we were exposed to that at that time, you know, Crete and dancing at the dance schools in Crete were, uh, they were more, I guess, contrived or they were just kind of teaching more choreogra choreographed dances and performances. It mm -hmm. was sort of Gioti, Bendozali, and Susta. And they were kind of focusing a lot on the jumps and the tricks you know, group variations, which, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong per se, but it's kind of evolved away from that now. But I guess from there, and that's where I kind of learned more about my, I guess, Cretan identity. I was Greek, but I was like, all right, we don't wear fustanella. Mm -hmm. We were, oh, we're not doing this type of dancing. We're doing this completely different genre of dancing. So, I mean, and then from there, it just, you know, started evolving with um, learning other regions and, you know, my love for other dancing as well within the Greek, um, Greek scope. So your exposure early on was that more choreographed kind of Cretan dance, right? Correct. Um, what what was I mean? How did you get exposed to the notion that okay, there's there's so much more out there, and the you know there's more to Cretan dancing than the the, the big five, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it was like it was the four, and then Sigano got thrown in the mix. You're like, oh, it's a fifth dance. <laughs> And then, I don't know, maybe like 15 years ago, I'm like, oh, I know, ya no pidicto. that's a different one. It's like it started adding. But um, I have to credit my um, my evolution with Cretan dancing um, with Adi's former group, the Olympians in Long Beach. Vasily Kondos um, started doing, you know, delving deeper into Cretan dancing and, and regionalizing. And he came out with La Sithi, which, you know, even Cretans from where I am in Kanye, even Cretans themselves are very... Oh, I'm from Kanya, I'm from Iraklio. Like, oh, what are they do? They don't know what they're doing over there. So <laughs> when I saw his performance of La Siti dances, I was, and this was in 2010, I was like, what did I just watch? What was that? <laughs> it was like completely different. And then I just started appreciating and watching it more and sort of diving into my own, just, you know, through YouTube and through other people I knew about what La Sitiotica dancing was. And it just from there, 
it just was like it bloomed, you know, like other regions came out and hence I discovered a couple of other regions that no one had seen before. And it, so basically around that 2010 mark is when I started realizing it, it's more than the Fab Five and <laughs> or, or whatever, you know, which again, I know Yanopidico is a legit dance. Yeah. It, it got popular because it's gotten very showy, which, you know, the real version of it's a little bit more tame than what you typically see with performing groups now. I think that's for like Cretan dancing in general. It's just like, oh, you want to do a flashy show? Go Cretan. Mm-hmm. But well, and as, you, as I've, you can you can customize your Cretan performances too. I mean, if you're performing for, you know, a non-competitive setting or for a festival setting, I mean, you can still you can jazz it up a little bit. I don't think there's anything wrong with jazzing it up per se. I mean, I I, I don't necessarily like over the top jumps and jumping on like chairs and flips <laughs> and all. But there's definitely a way to legitimize Cretan dancing and make it you know, quote unquote, more showy than, you know, just kind of just doing the steps basically. Yeah. I think, I think there's a beauty to, I mean, the fundamental Cretan kicks, there's a beauty to them when you do them authentically that, right. I mean, you don't, it doesn't have to be a big roundhouse kick. I mean, it's not supposed to be a big roundhouse kick, but right. you don't like just, just being able to control your body and having that posture, Correct. While, you know, midair, like that kind of body control to me is what has always appealed to me and what I've strived for. And I'm certainly miles away from it, but that's, that's to me like the beauty of Korean dancing that, um, just, it, it's like this raw energy and it's mm-hmm. like it's it out and then it kind of comes back seamlessly and flawlessly. If that makes sense, you know, it's, it's, it's like bam. And then it just flows back right into the step. And that's yeah. where we're a very talented and experienced Korean dancer excels and shows their mastery of it which by all means i am not anywhere near that sort of mastery level i'm still evolving as a cretan slash greek dancer as well i mean it you know it takes years and almost a lifetime to kind of you know come to perfection with it per se that's so funny because i feel like i would disagree you know i feel like when i when i watch you dance um and i i feel like i even seeing your mom dance like i can see where probably dances in your family. You know what I mean? Um, there is an elegance and a power and a strength to what you do. And I'm like, dang, Bobby's got it. Like <laughs> Bobby's got it. You know, um, it's just so funny well, how, how we're so, um, we think of our, where we are in our dance life very differently. You know what I mean? Than than maybe other people do. For me, like dances, I consider it like continuing ed, like, you know, as professionals, we have continuing ed with our with our jobs and whatnot. But I mean, I think with dance, especially there's a continuing and aspect mm-hmm. of it, you know, you're constantly learning and constantly evolving. And, you know, going back, I guess, to my mom thinking again, you know, she would always have Cretan music playing in our house. I remember when I was like three, four, five, six, you know, she would have Cretan music blaring on the cassettofono back then, you know, <laughs> it just always kind of was ingrained as a, as a child, basically. Yeah. Love that. It's amazing. So you grew up, um, you grew up very exposed to Greek culture then. I mean, you had it in your household. You went to Greece as Mm a, as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that, um, I mean, was that part, was dancing almost, you know, very, was it very accessible and that helped grow it or did you take it for granted at the beginning? Um, I didn't, honestly, I really didn't take it for granted at the beginning. I mean, just, you know, coming out of, you know, that those three months in 85, you yeah. know, and actually, and then when we went back to, we didn't go every year, like some other kids, like my parents worked at the restaurant, I think from 1985, we went back to Greece in 1992. And again, my mom put us back in a Cretan dance school as well. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't resistant to it or anything. I mean, when it started, the group started evolving in Newport news. I, again, it, it just for me was very natural and I was just always had a drive for it. At the same time, funny enough, um, I guess my evolution with dance was um, right before the Newport News Group formed, they actually formed a Cretan Youth Silogo in Hampton Roads, which includes like Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Newport News. So um, it was based out of the Norfolk Church. So we would go once a week and it was about another 10 to 15 of us Cretan kids that, you know, got together. Again, it was the Fab Four, but... Um, <laughs> And, you know, my director at the time, you know, was just kind of teaching us and we would perform once or twice a year at the Cretan dance in Norfolk and um, other functions in Hampton Road. So, okay. So, so sorry, F, go ahead. I think we might ask, ask, be asking the same question. 
<laughs> I was going to ask about um, your current role in your dance group yeah. and and it's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm strangle myself sometimes. No. <laughs> um, yes, you know I've been so I I danced you know really all through high school and then um I went to UVA so for four years I really wasn't in the group but I would still if I was in town you know especially during the summer where there was a festival and I was back home I would still perform with their group but I I kind of took a step away and then. Um, when I went to dental school in Richmond, I was much closer to Newport News. I was actually driving then from Richmond to Newport News, um, teaching, I want to say, the Goya group at the time. So I kind of stayed involved even in dental school. And then when I went to residency in Philly, again, I kind of didn't really have an active role, except if I was back home and it happened to be the festival or a performance in the summer, I still was involved. It was until I moved back home permanently in 2004 um, at that point, Anna was running the program because her mom had retired that I, I joined the team and I started teaching the Goya group. And I guess from 2004 and then Anna moved up to the DMV in seven. Um, I kind of, I guess, started assuming the role as, you know, director, administrator and the group had started growing. We went from like one, two groups, three groups. Then it's kind of up to like four to five groups as it is now. Um, I kind of am a little crazy where I basically direct all the groups. I do have um, <laughs> um, co-teachers as well for each group as well. But, um, you know, I, I kind of am the head of the ship, but I have um, a really, really good support team. Anna's basically in the background directing like the adult group and the one of those younger groups. Um, I have a really great parent coordinator, great parental support. So, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, you know, it's for our smaller community, we have about 90 dancers so i'm you know wow. i kind of i'm had the i guess i'm like the captain of the ship so i'm <laughs> trying to keep it trying to keep it afloat now since you know we haven't had it for a year and we just actually just started dance last week with the goya group which was um very refreshing it was um you could tell they were excited to be back i had like 18 goyans which i was very surprised i'd pull that many so it was it was good to be back <laughs> yeah what's yeah. your favorite part about teaching that maybe you missed you know, since we haven't been teaching for like a year with COVID. God, um, <laughs> my <favorite laughs> teaching. <laughs> you know, I mean, it 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 depends on the on the age group, really. I mean, with the with the pizzeria, like it's just kind of getting them to, you know, learn the steps and learn their body movement and learning right from left and bare mm -hmm. weight. Um, the next couple groups up, it's you know teaching them a little bit more harder stuff. You, we typically do a lot of Thracian with them and. You know, Thracian's a very team-building region, you know, where, like, you guys have to all work together to keep the kulura going. You have to, you know, swing your arms at the same time. So I kind of like the challenge with that group, kind of upping their, you know, their level and their coordination. Um, the high school group, the Goya group, I've been doing a lot of Crete in the past few years, so that's challenging in itself. So it's kind of nice seeing them get excited, you know, especially after they've done Thrakiotika or Dodekanisa or some other region we delved in to get into, I guess, the meat and bones of Crete. And um, for NOC, which is the adult group, I mean, I think it's more of a personal thing for me since i have that's where I've been kind of doing a lot more of my, you know, individual research and presenting stuff that's completely new and hoping that the adults, you know, take to it as much as I have. Because it's one thing for a director to have a passion for a region or a, a dance or something, but it's another thing for you to project that and hope that your dancers take to it as well. Yeah. So what was there like a, a moment where you kind of went from um teaching to being like bobby the the teacher who is researching like what really spurred you to go out and to research and and to bring stuff that is you're basically uncovering dances um, that I, people haven't seen i think honestly i mean it, it, it's i guess since we've been going to hdf a lot and you know and just kind of following groups in the west coast at fdf you know there are a handful of groups like i mentioned long beach um the olympians from with vasily contos that and he's been an inspiration because he for a while was doing that all the time and you know when you're coming up with sets to present at hdf or fdf you're like okay what can i present what's been done i you know that's been done so much or this region's been done so much so obviously my dinamia the last five years has been Cretan. And I just started stumbling, you know, I was kind of, I did La City for a few years, which I, I really ended up loving immensely. Like the Pidicton from there is an amazing dance, which I think the Pidicton, we can get into it. It's like the mother dance for many of the Canisa dances, not even just Cretan dances. But um, 
I stumbled on just this other weird bivikto from a region called Asterusia, and I was looking at their feet, and I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, I've seen that before. And then um, I started delving into that. I'd, I'd gotten some contacts from Crete, and I was messaging them back and forth. Um, I had met some people in Crete, and then just started compiling these videos that I found of this new region and new, this new dance. And I guess it was probably, I guess, around the 2016, 17 timeframe where I started digging you know, and trying to find stuff that hasn't been presented before. If it did, it wasn't, it didn't bloom or it wasn't, you know, presented to its full extent, basically. So, um, you, you said you're from Hanya. Is that your, your family's from Hanya? Yeah, both my parents were from Hanya. Um, so it always like hits home for me because my first instructor growing mm -hmm. up was from Hanya and she always, I remember she always told us, you know, when you're dancing Crete, it's one thing to dance Cretan, but when you're dancing from Hanya, like it, it, you know, she always was emphasizing the difference and what, you know, it's not about, she always, always pushing us. It's not about doing kicks. It's not about big, bold movement. It's more so about focusing on the intricacy of the small step. Correct. And, and funny enough, I just, I was afraid of Hanya. I did not touch Hanya until last year. Wow. And funny enough, yeah, I, I was very, even though I'm from Kanya, like it was just that one part of Crete. And I'm like, because it's not even just that, Evan, like it's the, the sirtos, there's, they don't do big jumps in Kanya. It's mm -hmm. all like you said, the footwork and the intricacy, both the men's and women's sirto. The other thing of Kanya, it's very much into singing Rizitika, which to try to sing Rizitika and to take that to a bunch of Greek Americans, that was such a huge challenge. So for me, I kept Kanya on the back burner. <laughs> for a very long time. And I, that's when I just started jumping into that the last year. And um, and again, it was more personal for me since my family is from Kanya, that it was kind of a personal region to, to tackle, basically. And it's, I I mean, that was my foundation with Crete was, I knew Cretan dancing in the Kanya style. Mm -hmm. And it was always, I think that was, for me, like that's my insecurities because I never learned the kicks. I never learned that. So then the first time I experienced like a, we went to the Cretan Silogo and I'm seeing all these, mm -hmm. you know, I can't, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I can't do that. Well, and, and, and more of the, more of the jumps that you typically see, Evan, they're, they're from more, you know, Rethimno and, and Northern Iraklio. When you go to Asturusia, which is Southern Iraklio, they don't do um, jumps and kicks either. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're more footwork. So again, the jumps and kicks kind of started in the central part of Crete and that just kind of disseminated and, and everyone's like, oh, that's what they do all over Crete. But, um, even just when I went to Apanigiri, when I was kind of researching Kanya, I went two years ago for like 10 days. I went for a dental conference, but I ended up doing um, a lot of great research. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. So I, um, I went out and, and, you know, I was in the setting and they were, the guys were dancing Kanya. And the way they do it in Kanya is just the two guys dance up front and everyone walks. But the two guys are doing all this footwork. So when it was my time to get up front, I mean, my heart was beating. I was like, <laughs> shit a shoot like it's me next and you know it, it you get this insecurity definitely and it's like i said it takes a while in evolution to kind of feel somewhat confident to come up with yeah, your own yeah. style of it and your own footwork basically or improv is what they do absolutely um that's awesome so i, I i'd like to kind of break down a little bit um talking about when you're doing research mm -hmm. um what kind of steps do you take what do you think for somebody who is out there and they're excited about getting into Greek dance and they want to be in that position where they know what they're doing is correct and they're trying to, you know, dig? Um, you know, I know we touched on it with Adi and Anna and they said, you know, YouTube's a great tool, but you have to be very careful. Correct. So I'm curious when you're doing your research, you know, what 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 kind of key steps do you take and what is what's your process if you could so honestly like believe it or not the best research or the best direction to go with research for me has been believe it or not the musicians mm -hmm. the musicians are the ones especially if you get musicians from that part of you know creed or whatever region or you're doing they will point you in the right direction i know um like when you talk to steve and, and if you ever have sarando on here mm -hmm. you know they found their research from specific um musicians from Thraki from like Bendalofo Petrota, that they pointed them in that direction of how things should be done. Um, uh, I learned a lot of um, stuff. The first time I brought a musician from Crete to here for HDF was in 2017. Um, his name was Nico Arkondaki. He was um, from Hanya, but he mastered bagpipe, the Dasko Mandura. 
so from there he was telling me a lot like you know where they played it how they played it um you know the specific dances from like yeti yeti where the bagpipe is um Petro Saridakis from Athens, he's a Cretan musician. He's from Asterusia. He was hugely instrumental in helping me with my material and research. And then he s- sent me to Nikos Xiluri's wife, who owns a store in Athens. And then she gave me this Asterusia book, which is out of print. And, you know, you just basically have to find these contacts. And a lot of it stems from musicians, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, another contact that Nico Arfondaki gave me, who helped me with Kanyaz, um, a lawyer named Nico Yakumaki from... Um, Hanya. And he's this other guru that, you know, knows so much about Hanya dancing, the different styles of Sirto. And then he gave me a contact for someone for Petra, which is something I'm going to delve in at one time. So it literally can kind of snowball. Once you start getting one of these two pieces of the puzzle, then you start opening more doors, you know, to what you want to learn in specific regions you're looking for, basically. And that applies to anything, not just Creed. It can be to, to Pondos, to Thraki, for me, really, it's getting to know those musicians. And then from there, they open all these doors. In your experience with that, I mean, when you reach out to musicians, um, how receptive are they to talking about this? I mean, is this something that you have to milk out of them? Or are they excited to? Well, when I tell them they get a trip to the United States, they're all for it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because so bribery. Okay. I, was, I was in a bind. So in, it was 2017 HDF. So this is like, you know, you're prepping for it in 16. So I decided to do Yeti Yeti. Yeti Yeti is Escomandura. There's literally two Escomandura players in the U.S. And I found one one month before he cancels on me. <gasps> oh, no. So I'm here going to HDF presenting Yeti Yeti with a bagpipe and I have no bagpipe player. So I was like, oh, shoot. So I, the first thing I do is call my cousin in Kanya. His name is Petro. And he's like, hey, Bobby, Ticani's position. I'm like, Petro, <laughs> he's like, Diles, you stuck a lasso. And I'm explaining the situation. He, his cousin is a Lira player who then sent me five names. Wow. And the guy at the end, the other ones seemed okay. They weren't sure. The last one was Nico, and he was 17 at the time. I was like, hey, there's this dance competition in the U.S. <laughs> I need a bagpipe player. And he's like, all right, I'm four. And I'm like, you want to ask your mom? <laughs> so, but yeah, and same thing with Petro Saridakis, who's a recording artist. I mean, I got his number from, I don't remember who, and I spoke to him on the phone, and I knew him just from listening to his music. And as soon as I mentioned United States, HDF competition, he's like, oh, absolutely, I'm down. So a lot of them, I think, are very, very receptive. And I guess they want to be part of the experience that they're mm-hmm. all for sharing and disseminating information. That's awesome. I think it's so cool. And as you were talking, I was like, this is one of the reasons why we are doing this podcast. Like, you know this stuff can't die. It it can't be lost. And like what's going through my head is like, this is like the Indiana Jones of Greek dancing. You know what I mean? Where he has the notebook and everything is in that notebook. And it's, it's just so crazy because it's like the further and further you get away from things, it's so easy to lose Mm -hmm. this connection. And there's such a wealth of knowledge out there Mm -hmm. that still even today needs to be explored. And absolutely. It's it's like kind of freaks me out a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, well, that, and that's why, like, you know, for, for me, it's like I, I love a, a, a lot of the genres of Greek dancing, you know, and it's and like I said, I kind of avo- I, I avoided Kanya. Believe it or not, I avoided Cretan dancing with my program for like eight years just because at one point Cretan dancing was very stigmatized in like the the mm-hmm. competitive world in terms of, oh, it's just the fab four. Oh, they're all jumping at the same time. So it kind of <laughs> stigmatized a little bit. And again, to credit Vasily, he kind of um, opened the doors and kind of unlocked the key, I guess, for um, Cretan dancing a little bit. And now you're kind of seeing more groups performing it, I guess, in a little bit more raw and organic setting. Again, festival, I'm a, I'm a little bit more at liberty to play with it. Mm-hmm. But I guess when you're presenting it to like peers and, and esteemed colleagues, I guess it, it has much more respect now than it did back in like the 2000s. It was literally after 2010, at least in the States, there, there was a turn with Cretan dancing. It's kind of the same thing with Pontian as well. Like Pontian for the longest time tended to be a little bit over stylized, over choreographed. Um, and you're seeing a lot of these groups now, I guess, breaking it down by regions because Pondos is a very big geographical region. And now they're coming out with, okay, this is Trapezunda, this is Agdag Magden, this is Bafra. 
So it, like you said, Maria, it's a constant, like you keep digging, you're like, oh, there's this, oh, there's that, you know? Yeah. And I, I just, when I think about like the preservation of dance, I think about, you know, like the reaction to those, those musicians had when you called them and you were like, you know, the U S and stuff like that. Like they didn't probably think it was crazy. They were probably like, Oh, this is an amazing opportunity. And it's, it's like, thank God we have things that people work towards, you know, like Evan and I are kind of 50, 50 on the fence. We've never taken groups really to competition, you know, maybe a few times um, mm. in recent years, but you know, it really speaks a lot to things like HDF that, you know, you're working so hard to develop your research and HDF is a catalyst for that. Like that's a really great outcome. You know, it does push you in that aspect. And I have to give it to HDF. Yeah, that is a competition. But I mean, they're really good at, you know, not that everyone gets an award type thing, but they do definitely give multiple awards and multiple accolades. You know, maybe you didn't place, but you got the singing award. You got the folk expression, which you presented an ethymo, which was amazing. So, I mean, I think if, you know, a lot of groups do get recognized and you know, I'm kind of, I see the benefits for competition. Sometimes I think it's almost like teaching kids with the SOL. Sometimes you're teaching dance, but you're teaching it for the competition, which isn't, you shouldn't really be doing that per se, mm -hmm. but there is a timeline that there is a benefit to it because it does make, you know, dedicated directors want to strive more and be better basically. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. I, I, with, you know, as long as we can maintain that aspect of competition that it's we're we're there for the greater good of greek Absolutely. culture greek dancing and this isn't about haha we're better than you yeah like 100 percent no at hdf there is this much more of a camaraderie because we had we had gone to fdf in annapolis which is kind of a different you know event and um there was just always this kind of like i don't know if it's just more northern greeks it's kind of like meaner tension between mm -hmm. the HDF, it's really, maybe it's a Southern thing. I don't know, but it's, you know, there's definitely this much more philoxenia and camaraderie. You know, I'm, I'm friends with, I'm really good friends with a lot of the other directors from the adult category. And, you know, it's just, it's a much more, and for me, HDF, like the best thing about it are the Glendia at night. I mean, the Glendia are just amazing events. I mean, that's what is really a big draw for a lot of my, even my adults that, you know, they don't have to do this, but they like going specifically for the after parties in the Glendia, basically. That's like such an important aspect of HDF. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's where you get to pick up different styles and you get to kind of Actually, like learn from people. You know, they're playing like five or six different genres, you know, through the course of the evening. So it's, you have a piquilia of like any sort of Greek dance you want to do. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but I'm curious, um, your favorite region of dance, your favorite style, um, what do you have? At this moment or in the past? <laughs> well, that, that'd be, I, you can certainly um, answer that however you want. I'm curious, has it always been, you know, a certain region or has, has your favorites kind of evolved as your understanding of dance has changed? It, it's evolved, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I would say, I guess, right now, it, it would be Crete, especially since I kind of have been doing this Crete and run since, I guess, like 2016, I guess, so the past five years or so. But um, prior to that, it just depended what I what was what fancied me, honestly, like one of my favorite regions. And even to this day, it, it's Pondiaca. I, I love Pondos. I, I don't know if it's because they have the Kemenze, which is a lira, the history of Pondos, like the what they've gone through in the last 100 years, it, like something about the music with Pondos, it, it, it strikes a, a chord with me. I don't even know why. I, I think I need to do a DNA test to see if I have some fun. <laughs> but um, it, to this day, I mean, I, I will still listen to even just randomly Pondiaca in the car. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, for a while it was like um, Boyaliki in Thrace because I did that with my kids for two or three years. And so I liked Boyaliki's Anatoliki Romelia, which is northern Thrace, which is present-day Bulgaria. Again, love the stuff, love the dancing. One of my top five Greek dances is the Baidushka from Boyaliki. Mm -hmm. so that, you know, struck a chord with me. Um, prior to that, in like the 2005, 2006, 2007 range, it was um, Florina Edessa up in northern Greece. And at the time, I had met my wife, who's Serbian. So, I mean, and I started learning some of the stuff. Like, Adi gave me material to teach my kids. And I remember playing... 
Florian and my wife's listening to this and she's like, what's up with the Slavic music? I'm like, hold up, this is Greek. She's like, no, that's Slavic. So, I mean, it just, it, for me, like it was that, you know, you get to Northern Greece, you have more of a Slavo-Greek synthesis. So, you know, that piqued my interest for several years as well. So to answer your question, Evan, it just kind of evolves. I guess yeah. Cretan's always been in the background. It's more in the forefront now. But um, honestly, lately it's been Lodekani. So I've been, I've been listening to Kassos and Rhodes mm -hmm. and Chalki um, um, as well. Those have been really um, stuff on my playlist I've been listening to lately. It's so funny that you say Kassos because... So my mom was born on the yeah. island of Kassos. Kassos or Karpathos, Maria? I thought you were... So my dad is Carpathian. My mom is from Kassos. Okay. Um, but so you might, be, you might as well be Cretan there, Maria. <laughs> funny you say that. So funny you say that. So my uh, my great-grandfather on my mom's side um, was Cretan and was an orphan in Crete because of you know the war, right? Or the occupation, however you want to call it. And... Mm -hmm. um, he ended up going to Kalimnos. Um, okay. He escaped. From one yeah. of your, and um, I think yeah, Yakumatos too was, she found some Cretan link as well. Exactly. And they're from the same, they're both, I think from Svekia too. So like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm probably like Maria Yakumatos is my long lost cousin. We're um, probably related Maria because my dad was from Svekia. <laughs> see, I, okay. We're going to start a Sirtos family tree. That's going to be the next thing. There um, we go. But I feel like it's so interesting. Like, I don't know a whole lot about dances from Casos, but they are very different. Like Casos and Capatos, you can see, right? Like yeah. from the Western side of Capatos, you can see Casos. It's it's right. there. Um, mm -hmm. So you would think there's similarities, but, and yes, there are similarities, but they're also strikingly different. So for me, I like Casos and Capatos because if you actually look at La Cithi, La Siti and Casos are like literally like first cousins. I mean, if you yeah. know the Pidicto La Siti, you can do the Susta from Casos. Yes. And actually, if you just, if you look at the Pano Joro from Carpatho, it's really a squished Susta from Casos, like just very <laughs> yes. tight holding together. It has that same count, that same beat and meter. It's just this footwork is, the step placement is different and the knees obviously put yeah. the dance in. So they're all kind of related. And I think that's why I've really been, steering and looking more towards Casos, Carpatos is because it has that, you know, La Cithi-like quality to it, which again, yeah. links it to Crete. So for me, again, going back to it, the Pidicto from La Cithi, you learn that, you're good with a whole bunch of dances heading into the Dodecani song. I agree. I think that's such an, an interesting way to teach. And um, you're like a very captivating teacher. You know, I've, I've been to, I think, maybe two of your workshops and you break things down really well. Um, but I think making that connection for, you know, if you're teaching kids or young adults, like if you know this, I'm going to just challenge you, you to make your body do this and then look, we're kind of in a different island. You know, that's that's just so well, I'm glad for kids. That. Sometimes with my kids, I'm like, they're not listening to me. They're <laughs> I need to bring someone else to get their attention. And and going back to teaching, I mean, like, you know, I, I think it does help when you bring other directors because the kids get complacent with who they're teaching day in and day out you know and i think that's mm -hmm. why like when you guys would have the workshops in bethesda or whatnot and brought different people or when i would bring someone down to newport news i mean they're definitely much more engaged with them i'm sitting there looking at them like why can't y'all be like that with me like, <laughs> I feel know. like I, i'll let y'all and, and whatnot but um yeah i mean for me it was like an epiphany once i learned this step count for the pedicto which is the same for my Leviziotti, which is the same for no yano and the same for the dances in Casos and Carpatos, it was literally like an epiphany for me. I'm like, oh, I know all these dances. I just have to change my foot placement on my knee bend, basically. Yeah. It's so, it's just so cool. It's such a this building blocks of dance, you know. Same thing with some of the Pamian dances. Mm -hmm. Like, I went to watch up Kiriako Moisidis, and he was breaking down, like, add this to the tik, and you add this, and you have Saranitsa. You add this, you add this, and you have this other dance. Like, literally, it's like building blocks, and you learn the foundation of those building blocks. The other dances come much easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, sirtos. You know what sirtos, and you, you know, change a little bit. You you bounce your knees one way, and, you, right. and all of a sudden you're in, in a, the northern part of. Right. It's yeah. I, there's um. It is. It's awesome how many similarities there are, yet so many powerful differences. And mm -hmm. correct. Um, it, and it's those subtle differences, Evan, that you know, are a little bit harder to like, you know, when you, I had to, when I have to break a sirto from Cañado, a sirto from Asterusia, it's these little subtle differences that they have to get or else they're not going to do the dance correctly. So, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely still a challenge, even though it's a sirto, it's a sirto. Going from one village to another, one island to another, it can be a completely different dance per se. It's it's funny because like, so when when I my early years of teaching, like maybe five five ten years ago, I'd put on you know Cretan sirto and you know and we we do a Cretan sirto and I wouldn't even think twice about you know what what music am I listening to what region of of Crete does it come from and I'm you know am I matching up. It didn't even occur to me that there are so many different styles that this should be, you know, the appropriate style should be dancing versus, you know, I just assumed one Korean certo is the same as every other one. And it's, you know, now that I've really been exposed to that and had my eyes open to how much, you know, one village can vary from another and the importance of getting that right when I teach it, it's, mm -hmm. it's certainly changed my perspective and it's, um, I know I have a long pathway to go, but like, you know, hearing stories and like seeing the stuff that people like you are doing with dance just is really inspiring to take it to the next level. So I think that's, you know, it's incredibly awesome. And I don't think it's wrong person if you're you're exposing kids to Cretan dancing and just saying this is a surto, you know, what I mean, and just saying this mm -hmm. is a Cretan. I don't think that's wrong per se to just show them the basic 12 steps, squish the bug and kick out. I mean, that's <laughs> the you know, the fundamental steps and, you know, skeleton of the Cretan sort of thought. It's like once you get into the more they get older and they've kind of mastered that, then you can say, all right, instead of squishing the bug, keep your leg open out, kick out. Now it's a sort of masterusia or put your feet together. Now it's more from La City and then take shuffle steps up and down. That's kind of, then, you know, then there's more relevance to um, distinguishing the different villages. But I think, you know, just calling it a Cretan sort of to me is not wrong because it's still that's the basis of the dance. And you're at least exposing the kids or their group to a Cretan Sirtal per se. Yeah. I've, I found myself when I don't know exactly, you know, what region, like I try to preface that and I say like, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to learn this dance. I'm going to teach you the foundation of it, Correct. but there's more to it and we will get to it at some point as soon as I'm capable of teaching that to you. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely stuff that like, you know, my kids wanted my um so basically with the way i run the program is i usually you know focus on the two sets that we do for competition but then when it's festival time i always throw in a set of something different you know mm -hmm. one year Vitika, one year was boyaliki from thrace another one was you know anatoliki romilia monastiri with the cestos the kids wanted or the young adults wanted sedes and i told them look i oh, have wow. i can get in line <laughs> the back and do sedis but like for me to actually break it down and teach i was like you know it's just not happening unless you as a dancer want to take the initiative to learn sedeka by all means i'll get in line with you but you know i have my limits and we all as directors have our limits is what mm -hmm. we're comfortable because i don't i don't want to bastardize or teach a dance wrong and that's why if i'm not comfortable even with certain cretan stuff i'm going to say look i'm not the person for it you know i can mimic it in line at a glendy but not to break it down and teach it yeah I think that's so important. I think that goes also, it shows like a little bit of humility and not saying that people who jump into teaching that are not humble and don't have humility and all that kind of stuff. But I think it shows a little bit that you have a lot of respect for the authenticity of mm -hmm. the dance. And, you know, in thinking about sort of how we grew up, like how lucky are kids these days that they have instructors who are driving to find that most authentic to try to teach that so that they can learn and they can, you know, have four different types of sirta that they might do. You know what I mean? Um, it's just, it's, it's so wild. So one thing that we've asked a few people is, um, you know, why, why do you keep on doing this? Like you're, you're a professional, you have a, you know, a professional life, you have a family, you probably enjoy, you know, your downtime as well and have some hobbies. Uh, um, although I joke that like none of us have hobbies other than Greek dance sometimes, right. but like what, what keeps on pushing you to bring all this stuff and, and to go on and, and do all this research? So fun. I mean, let's take what happened this past year with the lockdown. Obviously we have not been dancing from literally March to now. That was a lot of downtime. That was the most downtime I've had from Greek dance. And I'll be completely honest. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I have enjoyed the the break from it. I mean, you know, I, I've kind of learned to relax a little bit more, um, you know, take it slower, do other things. And, you know, we haven't been going to Greece. So I've been literally 
from the 757, I've even even just been going to the Outer Banks a couple hours or just to the mountains. That's been my bubble. Mm-hmm. And I waited. But now it's like the last month, especially with HDF's anniversary that passed, I really missed it. I've really, really started to miss it. Um, I've missed teaching it. Um, I'm, you know, my son is 13. So that's a very formative year. You know, you can make them dance when they're younger. Once they get to be in the Goya age, you're either going to keep them or lose them. So yeah. for me, it's like, and that's why I started with the Goya group last week, because it's like that group is the one that needs to come back right away, more so than the adults, more so than the Pizzirikia. So um, I guess for me, it's, you know, Greek dance is like a it's like a living. Um, what do you call it? Like so, sociological embodiment of just human evolution. And like that's something that you don't want to die out. And it's our responsibility as directors that we instill it in the next generation that hopefully they're going to be one or two, three, myself, Evans and Maria's that will then perpetuate it to another generation because it can stop just like that and disappear. Mm-hmm. Lord knows how many other Greek dances and traditions have been lost yeah. through the time, especially in that years from like the fifties to, you know, the two thousands when just now Greek dancing has really taken off as, um, you know, an interest in you know a lot of Greek churches when, you know, I've talked to people on Newport News in the 70s and 80s. They didn't have anything. They said their dances were sometimes Greek and a lot of American. They are Goya American music. You know, you go, you go to Goya functions now. I see, you know, they play both American and a lot of Greek music. So I think it's very important to keep instilling it and passing it on to the next generation. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, this past year um, definitely has been a, a good break for, for, I think, all of us. And I think sometimes it's feels a little bit weird saying that you know um but what really hit me was like yeah like new year's eve last year we were all together and that was probably the last time Mm -hmm. that i really for real danced like for myself like not you know not in terms of teaching um and it, it hit me when we were preparing for this interview i was like oh my gosh like it has been just so Mm -hmm. long and then like seeing you know different programs that people have been putting on um like there have been a few facebook live events with Mm -hmm. you know musical groups i'm like i miss this so bad and i feel like when we finally can have like a big party we're all just going to be like zombies for like a week afterwards like take the (laughs) next week off of work because you're not gonna be able to walk because we're all gonna be like that was such a fun event too, that New Year's event. I mean, granted, like I was very stressed putting it on. Like yeah. you guys didn't even have half of it with them losing their instruments <laughs> a day oh before. Gosh. I forgot the, about that. Like, like the British Airways like completely messed up. Like they're bringing their <laughs> instruments here. And I was like running around from like Virginia Beach to Gloucester looking for ethnic, you know, instruments. <laughs> so, so once I got through the craze part and the, and the New Year's event came on, like it was such a great event and like dancing with everyone and, that was the last time we had one Greek wedding in Newport News in February, which that was our last function. But the last community wide function was that New Year's dance. And it was kind of sad that it was it was that and it's been nothing else since, you know. Yeah. And we see those a great party. Like it, it was just a, it was such a good time with everyone. And if you guys listening ever go to a party in Newport News, they do the coolest thing. And I'm like, why did we never think about this? Like whenever we threw parties, you guys serve breakfast. Like or- I'm so- that they don't they don't do that up in the dmv i mean <laughs> i mean i went to a new year's function this was it was not a greeky i mean it was a greek american dj thing but i remember they had breakfast afterwards but i thought that was a staple that everyone does that i had never it seen should that. be it should, it should be. be yeah like years ago evan and i went to a cretan party in western massachusetts and like literally a guy was shooting blanks like it was that cretan he like whipped out his gun and was like shooting blanks up into the air yeah. um <laughs> and they served stuff kind of like later on, like towards the end of the party. It wasn't breakfast. It was uh, it was some kind of, I don't remember, soup or something like that. Um, but never in any of the parties we've ever thrown up in upstate New York, did we ever think about serving breakfast? The, it was awesome. It was so that's, awesome. <laughs> since a kid, I remember eating the breakfast. And, you know, it's decent. And even um, so the way we do New Year's down here is our church in Norfolk alternated just so that because we're relatively close, so we don't compete with each other. But yeah, even our community in Norfolk, it's always like a nice breakfast at like 12.31 in the morning. So <laughs> it's awesome. worth it. You get me energized to keep dancing then. Exactly. exactly. After dancing that long, you need you need some you need the nutrients. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Um, Bobby, so we always ask people this, and 
you may or may not have an answer, but are there any areas in terms of regions or any types of dances that you don't love? Jumping out of my seat for <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> this is the region. Like, I'm going to go take a break and go outside or, you know. Catch <laughs> yes. Um, I, I mean, I, it, depending on the context, I mean, I guess the region that I'm, I guess, least familiar with or, I, you know, I don't jump up for right away. And I definitely don't get up front of Zipirotica. I mean, for me, that's like the polar opposite of Cretan dancing. And, you know, I'll, I'll get in line. Um, I've been to a couple great Ipirotica workshops and I've learned some stuff, but then let's put it in context. So then um, one of my doctors that works for me, she's from Greece um, and she's an Ipirotica. So two and a half years ago, I went to her wedding in um, Athens and they had Costa Mitzi there. <laughs> so you can imagine like it was very Ipirotica heavy. It was amazing. I danced the whole time, but again, it was in context, you know, it was, you know, it was her dad and all these Ipirotes and I was just getting in line and I even got up front. And I think a lot of it just depends on, you know, who you're with and, you know, on Setravai to get up in line. Like if it's at an HDF and they're playing Ipirotica, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go chill and take a break. Okay. But, you know, setting where I was at an Ipirotico wedding, it was, it was a great night that I, one of my greatest nights of being at a wedding in Greece, basically. So, I guess Ipirotica, another region that I'm not that familiar, but I kind of like is Ceres. Very difficult stuff. I'm not that exposed to it. But again, I'm not opposed to getting in line, especially with people I know to kind of pick up the dancing as well. Yeah. Some, and that and, um, yeah, kind of those couple of regions, I guess, would be my, I wouldn't say, I, I not that I don't like them. I'm just, you know, the least familiar with them. But um, Ceres, I've always kind of even had an interest for. It's just I'd. You know, Jordan Elrod is a good one to talk to eventually on your podcast. He's done a lot of stuff with um, Cetus. And so he's kind of piqued my interest in wanting to learn more with it, basically. Yeah. Jordan, if you're listening, you're next on our <laughs> list. We literally, Evan and I have a whole list of people. Hot potato, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I bet that I can't even imagine how that wedding was. I'm like. I, they I did for the was... top. It's like they had fireworks. They had like. There was a ridiculous amount of food. Like Mitzi did not stop playing. Like he mm -hmm. just, it was like four in the morning and we had to catch a flight to, I don't know, I think Crete the next day at like nine. I'm like, all right, we got to go back to the hotel. Right. And ready for our next trip. But um, no, it was, it was, um, it was a great, it was a great wedding. Uh, Keep it all I'm curious. So, um, when you teach, like, so when you're dancing, when you, when you're dancing at a wedding like that and, and you you feel the context and you feel all that emotion mm -hmm. um how do you how do you teach that to kids in america what that's the biggest challenge evan i mean it's one thing to show the steps and you know da 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 ddd -D, yeah. left over right kick kick it's the, another thing for them to actually feel that bathos from that specific region and honestly i think the best way to do it and that's the one thing i've really focused on with my program not just really the competition i've really made it an effort to try to bring musicians to newport news to virginia because that way the kids really then get that next level of how to connect with the music so um you know i bring them for hdf i've actually you know we raise a lot of money with our program that our festival has been generous by giving us, allowing us to put tip jars out everywhere. And the tip jars would raise us with the Baklava Sunday $10,000. Wow. Um, so they, and, and then plus the dance registrations, we had a nice penny to play with. So I would bring musicians to the festival so that their performances you know, were with live music. And I didn't always bring them from Greece. Like I would bring Sarando from Charlotte. I would bring Dimitri Papa Dimitriou. Like I would just make sure that at least for one time, because the younger groups, the youngest couple groups don't go to HDF, but I wanted them to still be exposed to the regional music. So I think for me, that's the one key aspect is if you can somehow get them to dance and perform to live music, it really, you see that connection with them. Like the kids, you know, they're dancing to the tape over and over again. You put the live music, they're like, oh, wow. Like you just see them like a light bulb turns on in them. Mm -hmm. I think that's instrumental, honestly. And because these kids are second, third, fourth generation Greeks, they don't go to Greece. They don't know Greek. Yeah. But you, you you expose them to that little bit and you just see a fire turn on inside of them. That's awesome. That makes a lot of sense, too, because then it's putting it into it. It definitely puts it into context. It brings mm -hmm. that piece of that missing piece, you know, yeah. and, and that's what. If, so if you can't bring musicians, that's why it's like, you know, take them to 
a workshop or a Glendi where you know there'll be not necessarily musicians from Greece because we have a lot of great musicians that have been cultivated here in the States. You know, um, Dimitri Dallas's group and Endassi and all that, they, you know, you've seen and heard them. I mean, they, they're mm -hmm. very good at regions, you know, all through the night. So that's another way to expose these kids to connecting with that live music, you know, and just it's that extra charge in them once they connect that music to the dance and it's like that missing puzzle like you were saying evan for these kids even even pulling i mean for smaller communities that may not have the means to do you know big things like this but pulling together with nearby communities to mm -hmm. just share mm -hmm. that information Correct. share that what you know if if three communities all together said hey we want to do this for our kids we want to bring in a few mm -hmm. outside directors and a few live you know, musicians to give them that exposure and experience. Like those are great ways to just take it to the next level and without was, having. And I did that for a one or two festivals. I had um, Pami musicians. So I told Dimitraki from Baltimore, hey, do you guys want to dance in Newport News? I have live Pani. And so they jumped on that. And then um, the little dance program in Waynesburg next to us, I told them, hey, live music, come to Newport <laughs> News and dance for us. So yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Evan. It's definitely about sharing the wealth and you know, if I have a Glendian, like, you know, we're next to Norfolk, we definitely try to invite each other and support each other's events, basically. Yeah. That's that's so important. I agree, especially it, with the kids. Like, but like what you were saying, though, before, you know, there are some directors and some, you know, people in the States who are very territorial and they're like, well, no, 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 this is mine. I'm not sharing. And I think they're just going about it wrong and you're doing a disservice to the greater community and, you know, to the Greek folk dance scene, basically, is what you're hoarding information or musicians you don't want anyone else to use i mean it's it's a little petty in my opinion i agree and, and what is it what does it really do like what outcome you know it doesn't really serve anyone it doesn't serve you it doesn't serve you know the kids and and i think one common thread that i'm seeing in all of the episodes that we've done recently is we all do this because one we know we're not done learning ourselves and we know that we're not done teaching the kids mm -hmm. that we teach, you know, so um, I agree. I think sharing is caring. I think that's important. Absolutely. Um, I love that. Bobby, I am so, I'm so glad that like a few years ago, I remember, I think I had just moved down here. I had sort of just met Maria and she was like, oh yeah, Dr. Bobby's coming to teach us. And I was like, who the heck is Dr. Bobby? Like, you know what I mean? All the kids are <laughs> like, oh my gosh, ego. Bobby. <laughs> He's so my wife, great. <laughs> my wife pulled my dentistry my second job. Like the first job <laughs> is folk dance. So yeah, Dr. Bob is my alter ego. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Um, but we definitely want to have you on again um, to talk even more in depth about your research and, and um, sort of season, we're calling it season two of the podcast is um, where we're going to really dive deep with experts. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we've been working through a few of those interviews. So um you know, those podcasts will be coming up soon, but, um, I am just so glad to have been in your presence and, and to, you know, have you as a friend and, and have you on this podcast. I think it's been great. And, um, you know, your zest and your like love for dance is so evident. Um, even though I can't see you over Skype right now because my Skype right. is just being ridiculous, <laughs> but so, it's so um, evident, you know, meeting you guys, um, through the different folk events and um the bethesda community in general i have to say they're very nice community very you guys are very welcoming um and there's a newport news bethesda connection your parish council president is was from newport news and um her i just talked to her mom today alexa so i mean i, I like that little mini connection between the communities and um again i always love being up there with you guys and i loved having you guys come down to newport news hopefully when things are back to normal i'd like to see events between our programs and you know, yes. hey, if you if we have a normal festival, having your kids come down here and perform and, you know, I'll say what musicians I have and, you know, we can put something together. But it's all about that phylloxenia and that connectivity, yeah. whether yeah. you're dancing Sirto or anything else that keeps us bound together. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't say That's it so any awesome. better. <laughs> we just scratched the surface. Like, I want to ask y'all questions. Too. OK, we can keep on going. I mean, we, can, we can keep going yeah. <laughs> a little bit yeah. longer. Um, well, let me ask you all a question. How do y'all pick um, what region you want to do with the kids? Because for me, that's another big roadblock. Like, you know, because for the adult group, I've been doing Crete now for the past four years, going on five. And I'm already trying to think, where am I going to go next? And that for me, such like it's like writer's block. Like, I don't know, you know, what do I dive into next? 
because it's a, like for me, it's a commitment. Like I want to spend at least a two, two, three years with it. And it's like, it's like a marriage and you don't want to like have it fall <laughs> apart. <laughs> I think what you touched on something before that um, definitely applies for me, depending on the age group. So the younger kids, 100%, I look at it from the standpoint of what regions of dance are going to afford me the best opportunity to teach them the, the, the fundamentals of right moving together as a circle and mm-hmm. i using thraki is 100 percent. i i like to put that early on um in the younger kids dance evolution because i think thraki just teaches so many valuable lessons about circle composition moving together the the synchron- synchronization of mm-hmm. the hands the feet and teaching that kind of body control so yeah. um you know that to me is a big one i i don't like to dwell on things for too long at a young age I like to keep them engaged and moving around so but when it comes to like older kids my you had an adult group didn't you Evan in in New York like we did yeah um for me it was always I was always inspired by the music first and then I put and then I pursued the dancing so I would my this was always my ways I put my playlist or I would even go onto YouTube and I just start with like this, you know, rabbit hole. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd pull up a video and then look at the suggestions beneath it. I'd, I'd listen to the music and all mm-hmm. these. And then when, when a region or when a sound just like hit me mm-hmm. and it like strike my mood and that was my inspiration or something. Yeah. But for me, it's the music is always what speaks to me first. And, um, I, I love to explore dance through music um, mm-hmm. and I'm always in search of new songs, new sounds, new artists. Um, and I, I will build an entire program off of that. So mm-hmm. um, I just, I, I'm by no means a musician, but I have such a respect for the, the, the music that mm-hmm. goes to dance and, you know, you, you don't have dance without the music, but mm-hmm. I think music tells such a powerful story. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that is always kind of my first. It's, my first it's step. like the, the dance brings the, the music to life, basically. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. painting to it. No, I definitely agree. And that's why I guess I've always been kind of flirting. I, I did a little Ponyan run from like 2005 to 2009, 10. I'm almost afraid to go back to it because I know it, with pining, it's just so different. It, it's completely different type of dancing. Like I would have to, I would want to stay committed to it for at least one or two years. And I don't think mm-hmm. I would ever present it at a competition setting and I'd never say never. But to me, like it's some of those harder regions. I mean, you have to make a commitment if you really want to make sure that they get perfected. I mean, it's like, you know, the Mitrakia had been doing pining for so long. Like some people are like, oh, that's all they do. But they're damn good at it too, though. <laughs> That's the positive and negative of like sticking to a region versus hopping around. It's almost like, what's your goal as a director? And my one goal is I want to expose them to a bunch of different regions. The other goal of mine is I want them to be really good at a couple of regions too, you know? I think that's a challenge. And I mean, in New York, um, we never pursued competitions. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't say that necessarily in a bad way, but that was just, mm-hmm. our approach was always about um, we wanted to just create an environment where dance happened and where dance was like organic or orga- mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, dance practice for us in New York with my adult level people was, you know, I had my playlist with whatever, you know, couple, you know, close to a thousand songs on it. Mm-hmm. Everything that I've collected at any point, um, just goes into my playlist and every, every Tuesday night we'd go downstairs, I'd hit random, whatever came on. We did it. If it was something that, you know, everybody knew, then we just dance it and we move on to the next one. If it was a, a dance that people weren't too good at, too familiar with, mm-hmm. we dive into it a little bit. But it was never, you know, I never spent an extended period of time um, focusing on that. It was, it was only when we got to a point like, all right, we know we have a, a performance coming up in two months. Okay, so we've been doing all of these dances at random. We really have been taking a liking to this region, these style dance. So we're going to focus on that and build a a show, you know, based on this area of Macedonia, this area of Epidos. But mm-hmm. it really, it it had a very organic flow to it, and we built everything mm-hmm. based off of 
what we were experiencing and what what was moving us. All right. Um, I. It's interesting though because down in Bethesda, it's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to kind of take that approach at the beginning, and it's very different from what everybody's used to here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that it didn't, it wasn't accomplishing the same thing. So, um, here I've been coming at them with, okay, we're going to focus on this region. We're going to really try to perfect the style. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, for me, it's a big thing is just, um, you know, I like, I, I, I don't like teaching choreography. I teach the dance. Right. I try to teach the motivation behind it. The mm-hmm. choreography for me for something, you know, it needs to be, it needs to have that organic feel to it. Like we're dancing in the village. Correct. You have to cultivate it. That's why I try to mm-hmm. cultivate leaders with like Cretan dancing or any or sort of other dancing where the leader does tricks per se. And, you know, I tell them like, they're like, you know, I, w- I want to learn jumps. I'm like, okay, I'll show you some stuff, but you have to cultivate it yourself. And some of my really talented adult dancers have kind of learned that improv where honestly, there's some of the guys couple of the guys in my adult group that they've actually outshone me when it comes to the Hanya stuff. Like they really picked up on it. I like took a back seat. Like I was <laughs> at HDF for Hanya when we did the Sirto. Like I was not guy one, two. I think I was guy number four. Just because <laughs> I, I saw them doing it. I'm like, how the hell did they pick that up? I'm thinking mm-hmm. in my head. But they cultivate it with themselves. So it's like you said, Evan, you have to bring it out of them organically. And I, you know, showed them material. I showed them some steps. I showed them videos and the music and they went with it. So, I mean, you're exactly correct. Like you have to cultivate it. And that quote unquote choreography is what the leader does organically, basically. And you don't need, you know, Broadway style choreography. Like the beauty of it is if it's cultivated from inside, you can see that organic aspect to it. Yeah. My the, the extent of choreography for me is, okay, you're going to be going up front and you have, you know, 45 seconds to do whatever you want. Correct. And that's it. Like, it's up to you. But it's it's funny because I think this could be a whole conversation itself, but cultivating leaders in the group mm-hmm. and, you know, it's so hard. It's not about and I, this is the biggest thing I try to tell my kids. Nobody in here, nobody in the, the circle is going to be appointed leader. Mm-hmm. You are going to earn it. And the leader is not somebody that, you know, I can't just bestow the crown of leadership on you. And all of a sudden you're a leader. No, a leader earns the respect of their group. Mm-hmm. A leader earns that position and you know changing that dialogue again that was a big thing for me down in bethesda is I, I told the kids this is not one of those scenarios where each one of you is going to get a chance to lead because you're the senior in the group and every senior has an opportunity to lead no you're going to show me that you have the stuff to lead that you right. have the ability to command the circle and and i tell that to especially like with the younger kids especially it's like the why is my kid not leading or mm-hmm. why is, <laughs> i try to i try to you know i'll play with different leaders with the younger groups once they get to the high school group and adults it's they almost have their own comfort region if i've had these dancers for a long time there are some that don't want to go up front but they're perfectly happy in the middle and they know that their role and they like being in that role in the middle because the middle is important as well you have to maintain the integrity of the circle you can't if the middle is flubbing up, your mm-hmm. eyes, the audience is going to look at the middle and be like, what the hell are they doing? You're going to forget the front. Some mm-hmm. people like the back. I personally, I like being at the back of the line. <laughs> I like that kind of you're anchoring the line and keeping the circle integrity as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you cultivate your leaders, but I think you kind of find that the dancers organically will kind of figure out where they like being in line as well. Yeah. And I tell the younger kids, like, the back is sometimes harder than the front. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially the Traki. Especially, absolutely, Thraki, because I've been, I did that for the past couple years with the little ones, and it's like the back is just as important. And I'm like, looking at the middle, I'm like, what are y'all doing? Just because you're not, <laughs> like, what, what is this? Like, what are the, why are yeah. the hands all over the place and <laughs> shoulders are like this? You know, you can't see Maria, but I'm being funny right now. But anyway, I can feel um, it. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, like you said, Evan, just, you know, cultivating leaders and cultivating, you know, dancers to know their place and what they're comfortable with in line is so important. And, that takes time. It's like an evolution when you're teaching kids. And I think too, like you can throw the choreography out that you, you know, want to do, but if the dancer, regardless of if it's a kid or an adult is not truly comfortable with the step and truly Mm -hmm. comfortable with being able to do the step, that choreography is going to always look stilted, right? Like some 
you know, the best choreography is when your leader can go do his, his or her thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And the line is still there to support that person when they come back in after, you know, that spin or whatever they're doing. And Mm -hmm. you know that you're going to come back into line and you're going to be able to pick up, you know, where that step is, even if you're coming in at like a weird spot, like halfway through a sequence or or whatever. Um, I think that's so important. And it's hard. It's hard to teach kids that, you know what I mean? Because it's hard to be like, you really have to get this step before Mm -hmm. you can go jump out and do all this crazy stuff because you have to be able to come back like off the beat and still be on the beat. You know what I mean? When the, when the guys are doing the talimia, the, the more the jumpy kicks in Crete, like it isn't just a series of, you know, like Evan said, roundhouse kicks. I mean, there's there is a, a pattern to it. And mm-hmm. when you come out of it, you should kind of know where you're coming in line or you, you have to make sure you have strong second, third, fourth to know where you're coming back in line. So it isn't just jumping up and down. Like there is an actual pattern. And yeah, there's chore- it's choreography, but it's a choreography that's organic, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, you have to have good supporting dancers and the the, the leader who do, who's doing the talimia has to know what they're doing. It isn't just you're jumping up and down, hitting your leg. There's a there's a flow to it as well, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, always, I look at it like one of those like choose your ending books where like, OK, <laughs> I could go down this path and continue my kicks into this or I could go down this path and, you know, take a different right. flavor. <laughs> the paths sure are kind of are laid out, but you have that you have that artistic license to say, Right. You know, I want to build this on top of that, on top of that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Bobby, we're definitely going to have you back because we're going to put you on experts panel. So get <laughs> ready for that. More to come. Um, and thank you. This was awesome. It was just, it, it was like. It was my pleasure. It was, it was good to see you. But I can see you, Maria. It was good <laughs> to see you as well. Um, good to see you, you too. Stay, I can't see you. Stay healthy and well. And um, hopefully that you're still in Minnesota one day. So yeah, absolutely. I'm there. Right. Count me in. Definitely. You guys take care. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bobby. Thank Regards you so to much, the Bobby. family. Yeah, okay. yeah. Bye.